So if I can give one one piece of advice is to just just ask, just just be open about it. I mean, um, in the end, everything that you say is wrong, right? When you're talking about grief, like you never really get it right. But at least you're trying. And if people, if grieving people see that there is someone that is really trying hard to be there.、Um, Even if it's hard to open up when you're in so much pain. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives, in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process, as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have the honor of chatting with Olivia Yanikeri.、Uh, Olivia is. All the way in Germany.、Um, so this is my first European conversation, Olivia. I'm so excited. We had to like figure out the time zone difference here on this one. <laughs> Welcome、yes. to the podcast, Olivia. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you for、yes. having me. I'm grateful that you're here. And how I found out about you was on Instagram of、um, following. One of the other、um, guests I've had on the podcast, <clears throat> Patricia, I saw you come up in her、um, one of her interviews that she does live on her Instagram account, and、mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the ways that I found out. And I had already been following the Big Grief, which is that correct? The Big Grief is what your yeah, Instagram yeah. account is called. And、um, so anyway, I'm like, oh, like I would love to have you on if you want to share your journey. <laughs> Uh, uh, your grief journey here. So let's find out a little bit about you. So let's do a little like quick, quick、um, Q and A kind of here. So you live、yeah. in what part of Germany? I live in Munich, so it's the south of Germany. Okay, and you've lived there all your life. You were born and raised in in Munich.、Um, no, so actually I was born in Rome. So I'm a native Italian. Okay. <laughs> and I was raised. And I lived there for 18 years until I decided that I wanted to study or do something with my life. <laughs> so、mm-hmm. I moved to Germany because my mom was from Austria, and I learned German thanks to her. So that was、um, one of the reasons why I decided to move to Munich. Also because it's a very nice city. <laughs> so I decided to、um, study here, and then I found a job, and I decided to stay. So your upbringing was in Rome. So really,、yeah. it was just only now, as in your furthering of your studies, that you went to to Munich. Yeah, correct. Okay, okay. So are you? So your when you left、um, Italy, did you?、Um, your parents were still living then in Italy when you moved. Yeah, yeah. They、okay. were actually my whole family lived in Rome. 
Okay. So everybody was there. Okay. Wonderful. Now, what do you do then? Uh, Now have you've already gone to school. Now, what do you do for work? We were going to talk about this right before we started recording. And I'm like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's record first. (laughs) Because a lot of times guests don't know that some people don't, that are listening sometimes don't know that I'm just meeting the guests really for the first time we said like, as I'm talking (laughs) on the podcast. So So I'm learning about you with the audience. So yeah. Yeah. What do you work? What do you work? Um, so I actually study and I work. I do both. Um, mm-hmm. I um, did my undergrad in American studies at the university here in Munich, but I work as a project manager at a big company that sells brakes and systems for trains um, okay. on a worldwide scale. Um, but I decided to go back to school after my parents died. So this is my first semester of my graduate program in American society and culture. Okay. And then that is exactly what we're going to talk about today is the, um, your grief journey after the death of your, your parents are, are you the only child or you're an only child or do you have other siblings? I have an older brother. He lives in Rome, but so yeah, I'm not alone. You have, you have him. Okay. So tell us what were the circumstances of your parents passing? And was it at the same time or? Mm, well, I always begin with telling my mom's story because okay. she's been sick since I was, I guess, 15, roughly. And um, she had breast cancer. And um, so the very first memories that I have with cancer is connected, are connected to my mom. Um, so that's why I tell her story first. Um, I remember that she... She has always been through a lot of therapy and chemo stuff that I would not understand just because I was too young and um, was, yeah, just had a hard time even dealing with that. But that's really all I remember, her losing her hair um, or just dealing with uh, some uh, nausea and, yeah, just the side effect of, of um, cancer treatment. So, um, so um yeah, she she was sick since I was a little teenager, but then she went into remission, I guess, when I was um, 19 or something like this. And it it really got worse. And that was the first time that I actually started to understand what it means to be, to have cancer and to have a parent that might die because of it. Mm. Um so um, eventually, um, and when I was still studying in, in Munich, she, um, her health uh, started to decline. So I needed to travel back and forth between Germany and Italy to be able to be there. Uh, of course, and what of is that I time? What's the time? Would you go by train? When, would you go by train by land or by airplane? Oh, um, and what? I, yeah, I, it was 2017. So uh, what is it? Four years ago. Mm-hmm. four or five years ago um but I would just travel by everything that I could find so um mm-hmm. planes or by coach or um I drove back to Rome once or twice what's the, what's the I, distance what's the distance driving oh uh, it's 10 hours driving yeah so it's a lot um yeah. but and you were in college at that time in I was, you were yeah. in college and here you are going back and forth uh, while she was going through her second round, basically, and not second second round or battle with um, 
with cancer, like when cancer. it when it came back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I was also working because I needed to just afford my living, um, mm -hmm. which was extra hard on me because I needed to be here and have my life, but also I wanted to be in Rome to be next to my mom. So it was a really not just emotionally tough time, but also just just on my own, um, yeah, strength generally. I, I wasn't really able to explore because I was in my 20s. So, you know, normally young teenagers or 20 years yeah, old yeah. people mm -hmm. just start to find out who they are in their 20s. And, uh, but, but, but I didn't have that. So I, I really... I don't miss it, but but it was hard on me because I just uh, thought that my life would be different. So mm -hmm. um, still, I decided that I wanted to be there. So I traveled, as I said before, back and forth. Um, and um, but but I'm still very grateful that I was able to do that. The what you were saying of the aspect of grieving also to some extent a little bit the fact that you were missing out quote unquote on what the life of a twenty something year old would be, um, mm -hmm. but at the same time knowing that your priority was being with your mom right so it's like yeah. you missed a chunk of maybe the experiences that some of the 20 year olds would be having around you but at the same time i'm sure you gained a lot of maturity and um responsibility and all these other virtues that you gained along the way because you were confronted with a situation that was not something you should be dealing with at 20 when you're just yeah. starting college yeah oh boy. so how long was her second then round it so 2017 is when you were saying that you're doing this traveling how long was yeah. and when it came back did it come back again in as breast cancer or did it come already stage yeah. four as a different way as mm -hmm. it you know in a different form of cancer mm -hmm. at that time yeah so I I've I don't really remember the exact date, but I think it came back, as I said, when I was 18, 19, and then it gradually started getting worse. So what I remember is a call that I got from my stepdad saying that um, she had a seizure and while they were hiking and a helicopter had to take her um, to the next hospital and that they found out um, through screenings that that it was going it was it just basically spread all over so we had yeah. to um, get ready for that and that was 2016 so it wasn't just like you get that um, information from your doctors that you have a terminal illness and then you have like two weeks to go it was really in my case what was it like a year it was a mm -hmm. gradual process of dying and anything that is um too hard to share you don't have to necessarily either mm -hmm. you don't have to go into it's um it's still very um recent and it's this space is completely for you as well as for the listeners olivia so feel free to either 
not share so much or share and use it as a way of having the emotions of grief come out. However you want to use mm-hmm. the space, feel free to do so. Um, it can be hard to kind of backtrack into all the details. So we don't necessarily have to, you know, go into too many details. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, but, but I still feel that um, I struggled with it a lot, of course, because of all the pictures in my head and um, just, uh, yeah, the trauma of losing a parent. Absolutely. But, but I, um, and as hard as it is, I still think that talking about it helps me a lot. So I'm very thankful every time that I get the chance to do so and share something about my mom. So thank you. Okay, good. Because that's how I feel too. It's so funny that you say that because it's the same how I feel like when I talk. And a lot of times people that are around us don't necessarily know. And they feel like if they bring up the conversation, it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't ask her how her sister Mm -hmm. died. Or maybe I shouldn't ask her how her mom died, you know, because if I do, then what if her emotions come out? Like maybe, but at the same time, it's like, we are like, sometimes like just wanting so badly to keep their Mm. memory alive and share about them and to not have those opportunities in which people ask us about them feels like we are not serving them, you know, serving them or keeping up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, good. I'm glad that, that it's, it's serving you to be able to, to share her story and, and your story, of course, here too. Thank you. So what then, what year? So then, so then 2017, what, so 2016 was when it came back. So did she pass away Mm -hmm. then in 2017? Yeah. Seven, seven, no, 15th of July. Yeah. 15th of July of 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then um, you were, how did you find out? Were you in Munich at that moment or were you already back again in Rome during that time when she? Um, I was there actually when she passed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talked to my boss at work and I graduated in May of that year. So I was done with uni work at least. And I had a little bit more time to focus on my mom Um, and my boss. Uh, gave me the opportunity to work my hours ahead so that I was able to um, say like work 15 hours a day and then um, have 10 days straight off from work um, that I would use to go back home and be there for my mom. So um, that's how I was able to be there. Um, and my I remember my brother was think he was working somewhere and and he caught the last plane because he of course he knew that it was going to happen but his plane um had a delay or something so he didn't make it in time to Mm. um see my mom um and I still remember that very very vividly do you feel like it was very did he feel like he was missing out on not being able to be there in that moment that she transitioned yeah sure um, mm-hmm. I mean, he, my brother always struggled to, uh, yeah, just be there in general. He really didn't want to see my mom suffering like that. So he would always find a way to um, leave our apartment because that's where we were taking care of my mom. Um, but but I still think that the last moment is very crucial to you as a person, as a surviving person, to get some a way to say goodbye and I really felt that when my brother 
um, came home, he opened the door and saw my mom and started crying. And the only thing that he said was, at least now I know that it's over, that she's not suffering. Mm -hmm. But it was still very hard on him that he was not able to just tell her how much he loved her, maybe. Mm -hmm. And for you being that, was your dad then there as, uh, was your dad there or, um, or is, no, or, no. Okay. So we'll, we'll jump. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll hold on. We'll put pause on that, on that. Um, it, chapter yeah. I there. think I, I think I just have to explain briefly that my parents were divorced. So, okay. Okay. um, and they did so when I was three. So my mom had another partner and so did my dad. Okay. Um, and yeah, and my dad knew that my mom was going to die. So he visited her um, several times, but it was still very hard on him as well. Okay. So thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Okay. So then you, they were each, or, yeah, they were not, he was not in that particular dynamic. Now, curious mm. then, how was the support then that you received at that? So you're, when your mom passed away from your dad being that, it was not his current, he was grieving her differently, right? Than you guys mm -hmm. as kids. Uh, did you feel still that support from him in that moment? Emotionally? Mm, not really. Okay. Mm, to be honest. Cause yeah, no, no, um, no, it's a, that, no, that's that, you know, absolutely. I'm just always curious with those kind of yeah. dynamics because it's like mm -hmm. how, even though this was, had been her, his, you know, his wife, um, it had been a long time since they'd been separated. Yeah. Right? So divorced. So, um, so it does make a difference on how somebody else grieves and then that, that dynamic. So it was only really you and your brother that were ex sharing that similar experience in that moment. Yeah. And also I have to say that um, I always thought when somebody dies, then the family gets together or there's still something that because you've, lost a person a person um you just you just care for each other more at least that's what I thought but um but I learned that everybody has a different way of grieving um not everybody wants to talk about it as I do for example so um there were times where I really felt that grief was just tearing our family apart instead of instead of bringing us together so you were even grieving to some extent in this process, the way in which you all grieved <laughs> to some extent, because it yeah. was different than the idea. <laughs> it was different than the idea that you had even made in your mind of what was even going to happen. Was it that the fact that you and your brother had shared a common experience that maybe were your, any of your grandparents were your, were your mom's, um, any of her parents or siblings alive still in um, that moment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my grandma was there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So like your grandma, everybody, right? So you're like thinking, wow, like we're all going to be there supporting each other and this bond and this common, mm -hmm. yet not necessarily was it that way because of the different ways in which you all grieved. Yeah. 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 So is that part of the reason that you created that space on Instagram to share about it was to have that commonality with somebody, with others, um, to be able to express your grief? Um, maybe partly, but, um, but I actually opened my Instagram account after my dad died. Okay. So let's and go I'm... into that. Let's go into that, mm -hmm. uh, circumstances a little bit too, but yeah. So you opened it yeah. after and And what was that? When was that? 
that was in June 2019, so two years later after my mom died. And what were the circumstances of his death? Um, well, my dad was diagnosed with a um, brain tumor uh, the same year that, that my mom died. So she died in July of 2017, and my dad was diagnosed in October. And um, so, and at first I didn't know, and they, my dad didn't want to tell me, and he, um, yeah, he, I don't know how he did it, but he succeeded in not letting me know um, that he was sick. He actually knew it, I would think, already when my mom died, that there was something wrong with him, because he was having um, some light seizures um, during the day, and he wasn't able to um, he didn't know what was going on, but he just felt that there something there might be something wrong. So, um, and I later discovered that he went to do a checkup to at the hospital, and then that they told him that he had a brain tumor, and it was actually the stage four or one of the most aggressive ones. So yeah, I found out uh, when when they had to um, um, how do you say that in English. <laughs> To um, where he had to undergo surgery because of because of that. By the way, yeah. the fact your English is flawless. The fact that you speak then you speak German, Italian, English, and what else? Do you speak more? Um, like are you? I, uh, yeah, I speak Spanish and French. Ay, hablas español también y francés. No, 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 no. Increíble, increíble. But, but you're Italian as well, right? I'm Italian background. My, my grandfather okay. was Italian, so I don't oh, speak. Okay. No, no parlo italiano. No, no, okay. Non parlo. Non? Would it be non parlo? Non, non or yes. no? Non. Non parlo italiano. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, my grandfather never spoke Italian to my dad. Oh, um, no. Yeah, it mm. was that type of generation in which when, yeah, they were here in the States, it was the assimilating to, mm. uh, you know, trying to fit into the culture. Yeah, and my grandmother was American. So, but I grew up and yeah. I was born and raised in Colombia. My mom is Colombian. My mom oh, was, Col okay. yeah. so I'm, yeah, Spanish is my first language <laughs> and English is, is cool. well, they both technically are both would be my first English would be because my, that was what my dad would speak to us and Spanish would. So, mm. you know, a lot of languages. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, so if you ever can't think of a word in English, tell it to me in Spanish and then we'll get it in English. I do not speak okay. German. I only know Eins, yeah. zwei, drei. I did go to a Waldorf school when I was little, oh, little. No so yeah, Waldorf method school. So the, some of the songs I had, like my class, you read, did you ever, do you, did you ever do Waldorf school yeah. or do you know of yeah. Waldorf? Okay, yeah. so Eurythmia, I had my class of Eurythmia, I think that's what it's called, my class, and mm -hmm. I knew, like, uh, eins, zwei, drei, and that's about it. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so sorry, <laughs> listeners, you're having to hear all our little conversations, side, my side conversations, but that's the thing with this. This podcast is more than just talking about <laughs> the grief. Yeah. It's, um, it's yeah. other things that also we have in common in life. Okay, so... <laughs> So then he, um, so when he had his diagnosis, uh, his, um, his procedure, then that's when you found mm -hmm. out that it was already the stage four. Um, yeah. and, and that was still within that same 
year, that same year of your mom's passing that he had his first procedure after his yeah. diagnosis. Okay. Yeah. And so his, his, um, illness then was two years then of him dealing with this tumor, right? Mm. Yeah. So then did you do again, the back and forth at that point yeah. as well? Yeah. So the total in your process of living in Munich and going to Germany and going to Rome in this process from your mom to, was it total like about three years of you going yeah. back and forth between the two countries? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So tell us about that dynamic a little bit, and then we'll go into how you even here you are wrapping your head about grieving your mom's loss. And then, and how would you like to say, what word do you like to say, by the way, I, I know you've said you're, when your dad died, I, so are you comfortable with the word death or you prefer yeah, passing? Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. I, I, whatever works for you. No, in whatever word, I just want to respect yeah. whatever works for you. Cause sometimes yeah, I always try to ask that to the, to the, to the uh, guests because some words are, you know, um, triggers I love I like like when when I was present for my mom's passing like we call it like transition like it literally like we could know she had transitioned like it was yeah. like a, such a and I don't know if that was your experience it was such a clear um passing reality and 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 <laughs> understanding of the reality of who we are or what we are that is more than the body because it mm-hmm. was very clear in that moment when she died that she was no longer there. It's, yeah. So that her soul, like it was like in, in my beliefs, at least like we knew that her soul had transitioned. Like we knew the mm. soul had no relation to the body in that moment. I'm not sure if that was your situation being there in your mom's um, when your mom passed away when your mom died, did you feel that way? Like a very clear distinction of, yeah, of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's even weird to me because I, uh, before then I just knew dying from the movie and you just mm-hmm. see that it happens and it's just all at once. It's one second and then you're gone. But in my mom's case, I just saw that it's a process. It's not mm-hmm. just, you turn off the switch and then that's it. But um, there's a whole process that your body and maybe your soul as well go through mm-hmm. while or to get to that point that you can leave. And um, and that was really um, something new to me and, and also something that really traumatized me um, to see all those changes. Um, yeah. yeah, those stages and what cancer does to you because that's... Um, something very um, unique about dying um, of cancer. Um, so, so I had to get used to it. But um, when, when my dad um, got very sick as well, I already knew what those stages were. Mm-hmm. So I was able to understand better at least what was going on. You you say something that is so true. It's just because of the how it is the type of illness. Because my mom also died of cancer, so um, mm. it is very probably different than, of course, a sudden death or any other thing. You are seeing the deterioration of the organs as they start kind of shutting down, and just that process of it. So it is definitely very different so, um, mm. than maybe something else, right? So I've only witnessed 
you know, the death of, you know, right in front of me of cancer, nothing else. So I do not have any point of comparison of any other type of it. So, and I guess in your case too, you have your mom's passing, which was of cancer and then your dad too. So um, similar. So what were in that moment, let's talk about a little bit and then we'll kind of go into your dad's passing in the moment of your mom's mom's passing. What were some of your mom's death? What were some of the belief systems you had or tools you, you mentioned, of course, experiencing that trauma. Um, what were some of the things that really kept you going and, um, and just, you know, moving one step at a time and forward in Mm. your life, carrying this heavy grief? Um, I don't think I had any, I, Mm. I just, um, that was my first rawest experience with such a death. So I was, I was really there trying to grapple what was going on, just, um, um, not not just um for myself but um, what was going on within my family as well and there's just um as grievers know it's not just about yourself but grief um changes everything basically around you um so what i did was i relied on my dad because i thought he's he's the next one that i'm the closest to so um I, I'm, I'm going to ask him what i should do or um to yeah, just get some advice on um, how how to live on, right? Mm. Um, so, so my dad um, said that it it might be better for me if I would just go back to Munich and um, go back to work. Just uh, get it off your mind. Just be with other people. Go out. Try to like not not think about it. Um, so I did. I. Uh, went back to work and I did so for six months. I um, just immersed myself into um, my job, but um, but I, I just I just couldn't do it. It didn't work for me. It worked for some people, but but I was really exhausted. I felt such an exhaustion that is not it out is really out of this world. Um, and I started crying. I cried all the time. I had um, a lot of physical symptoms as well, so nausea, um, wasn't able to sleep, um, all of that. And um, but I, I wasn't able to to say what was going on. I didn't even know that there was a term that mm-hmm. would describe it. Like, what what is grief? Is <laughs> it's it's hard to describe it in one yeah. word, right? So I really struggled with that because mm. um, I think in my culture we always have a name for something we have a name for cancer we have a name for everything basically all the feelings but not for what really grief means to you Mm. personally so um what what i decided then was to um go to therapy because i just i just thought this how i feel right now is going to make me go insane like i really thought i was going to lose my mind because of it was it was just a, such a physical pain not only physical but also of course i was grieving so my my soul was hurting and i didn't i lost the ability to to um look at life look at um how life could go on for me 
Um, so, yeah, that's when I realized I really need help. That is that is uh, very wise, especially at your age, because how old were you at that time? You were young when, still. I, yeah, when my mom died, I was 23. And um, right. my dad, uh, yeah, when my dad passed away, was I 25? Yeah. So here at 20, at 23 then, with was it within that same year that you decided to go to therapy? When yeah. your mom is in that same year? Okay, so that's amazing that you did. And the fact that you knew you needed help, that is huge and very mature of you to do that. Because a lot of times to people have such a stigma. I don't know how it is in Germany or in Europe. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's stigma around uh therapy or things like that, going to a psychiatrist. In the US it's not as much. I know in um in my culture in Colombia there was more of that stigma. What is it there? Like how is the stigma there about seeking for that type of help? It's the same. Mm. Yeah. Um I remember my dad himself kept asking um what's wrong with me? Why am I still not feeling like I felt before or um he would just say yeah you just you have to keep keep going just keep going what's wrong just mm. yeah and that was really it was hard for me because I needed some validation or at least I needed to feel that um, I was not crazy that it was just normal just normal to feel that way and I didn't have that so I think I decided to um, seek therapy because I wanted to have that I wanted to talk about it to someone and and hear the words it's okay and it's normal you're normal you're not insane you're not going or maybe you are going to lose your mind but it's all okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is that is um that is so important what you just said. And, and you, I'm sure you didn't have any peers around you that had experienced something like this. Did you have any friends mm -hmm. at all? Because you're so young. Had any of your friends experienced any type of death or trauma in their lives at that point? No, no. no. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. very isolating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very mm -hmm. isolating. Mm -hmm. So tell tell us then, so you started to go to therapy and then how, what shifted then for you then? And this, and you went through therapy throughout the time your dad was mm -hmm. sick as well. Okay, so tell us a yeah. little bit what shifted with you with going to therapy, and then the understanding of what was going on with your emotions and so forth. And how did that help you? Well, um, I think the most important thing that I experienced was that um, I just was able to cry my heart out, just sit there and cry, and that there was someone there who was able to bear that pain with me um, because I was so young. And um, as you said before, none of my friends had ever experienced such a loss. Nobody would mm -hmm. even have the capacity or um, the willingness maybe to um, just be there and open up to such a tragic um, loss and such a way of dealing with grief. And my way was crying. So people were, feeling uncomfortable around me. Mm. Um, so I really experienced that um, just through therapy, there there is someone that is able to listen and that um, that those are just normal reac normal reactions to to grief. Um, 
And so that's how I that's how I started to have more more confidence in my grief, if I can say so, um, or just just find my way to express it, and then also learn some tools how to how to deal with it on an everyday basis. Because a lot of the times I was just feeling overwhelmed by all of those feelings and um, my physical symptoms as well. Um, but I learned how to how to deal with it and how to help myself when I needed it the most. What were some of those physical symptoms you were, that grief was um, showing up in your body? In your body. Uh, well, I oh my gosh, I had so many. Um, well, um, I can't eat any kind of dairy since my mom died. Um, then I had an ear infection. I had an eye infection. Um, basically, I'm a walking infection. <laughs> it happened mm. still to to this day. I have that. Um, and I had um, later this, this year, I had a very bad cough that everybody was thinking I had um, the virus. But mm. um, I've been coughing for at least seven months straight. And it was so bad that I went to... Um, all kinds of doctors here, but nobody could find anything. Um, and that's very frustrating as well, because you are in physical pain, but nobody is able to find um, the cause of it. Mm. And that's, and those are just examples. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm the one interrupting. Please, this is your space. I'm the one that ends up interrupting. And then I'm like, oh, when I listen <laughs> back sometimes, I'm like, oh, why did I interrupt the person? And then why did I talk so long in that part? <laughs> Because this is You're your good. story, not mine. It's <laughs> not my story. It's yours. I'm just Thank like you. I. So, <laughs> um, in that in that aspect of the not finding what is, uh, you know, what is the you know wrong or the solution, because you know at least you have a feeling that is associated with an expression of your grief. Have mm -hmm. you uh, asked your therapist, or have you looked into other type of? Um, intuitive type of people or that you know that's mm -hmm. that see health differently than just you know the traditional medicine as well to see how they can help you kind of move move that grief out of your system mm, yeah I did and I, I tried so many things um, but ultimately I just ended up starting a new therapy so I have two therapists okay <laughs> um <laughs> And when one is not enough, yeah. get the second one. Well, it's, you know yeah. what, though? It's fine. You had two yeah. deaths. You had two deaths. You can have yeah. two therapists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, and I think it's, it's, um, it's fine because I just try to find ways to survive. So I don't feel bad about having uh two or three or whatever um, whatever you need yeah absolutely yeah grab your um, gather your army gather it <laughs> yeah I always I was always so afraid of asking for help and then to um to realize even that I needed um to get help um even if I I did and it was my idea to look for therapy I still struggled so much to really open up about what was going on and how I felt about it because I still learned um, that whatever whatever happens to you, you just feel it on your own. 
and um, and that's one big thing that grief taught me about myself that I really I'm very open, but I still struggle to really to really open up. Um, yeah, I think that makes a difference. So you're open in general in your life, but you right now so that's something you've known in grief but yet you're still struggling to be completely open and transparent with your emotions about grief okay Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so then is it by writing then poems which is one of the things you do in your thoughts in your instagram account is that one of the ways that you are tapping into that openness of sharing your emotions about grief yeah um and my instagram started um with me just posting images and writing something about how I was feeling or what I experienced. Um, And then I don't know how it happened, but I just transitioned into writing poems. Um, And I think that's the nice thing about um, being creative that you're able to Mm -hmm. just change how you express your grief um, according to how you're feeling. Um, but, But yeah, writing really has helped me a lot to put my thoughts into words and then put it out there for other people to see that they're not alone in this. And you are not. And the fact is also you get the feedback of knowing that you're not alone either. Yeah, then you exactly. have these people yeah. coming back to you and sharing, wow, yeah, like I can relate to that. And knowing mm-hmm. that, oh, wow, okay, somebody else feels that way. It, it's like, Again, being that you couldn't find that necessarily in your family, you grieved the same way in terms of being able to share those emotions, to be able to find a community and of people that have similarities in how it is they express their grief has been part of your grief journey as well, mm-hmm. of your own yeah. tools. Um, that's wonderful. Would you be um, okay of reading maybe one of your um poems yeah sure um just let me if because i was gonna like i was gonna if not i would pull it up and read but i think it would come be more beautiful listening from you and did you write poetry before by the way yeah yeah i i've actually i've always been writing poems since i was yeah a little kid i think um but um but i just just um i like to explore i don't have a much knowledge on how to how to do it how to structure it i just oh, go for cares? it <laughs> yeah. i don't either i would write poems and songs <laughs> yeah. when i was a kid i don't know is it like a what is it an eight whatever the that i'm like wait no yeah. this doesn't ma- this doesn't go with that but you're not able to say why you just feel it right you just feel it yeah you just go yeah. like oh whatever. it doesn't have to fit into anything because anyway who makes you know the parameters that have been set as to what it is that has to be you know what a poem is are still just parameters of a person that thought that this is what it is but yeah. It's constantly, you just even said creativity, expression of creativity is constantly evolving as to how it is you feel, right, mm-hmm. about your grief. Well, the same thing goes within general, the creative process, what what the standards are of what art is or, you know, what, what you know, what mm-hmm. music is, what poetry is, what this, it's constantly changing because it's creative. So, yeah, that's that is, true. Yeah. So no, no, let's, let's just, it's a poem. 
that it's a yeah. poem. We don't know what the metric system of it, but it's a poem. <laughs> it's a poem. Um, I picked one that I wrote last week. Okay. And it goes like this. People die and everything they've touched stays still for a moment, maybe for years. And sometimes we resist time and change just because we still hope they'll come back one day, just because we never wanted them to leave, just because hope is less destructive than the realization that they're gone. At least hope gives you something to look out for, a dream not yet consumed instead of devastating truth. Mm. That's good. Oh, I have chills. So hope is what you hold on to the most. Yeah. What are some I of the always, things you hope for? Yeah, what are so what are the things you hope for in life? What are what are some of these aspects of hope? How does it reflect in your life? Well, most of all, I just feel for some reason, even if I've seen that they died and I've seen how they've died, so I know that they're gone. I just still believe somewhere, somehow, that if I do everything right, if I'm just good enough, then they will come back. So it's it's this weird thing. I don't know what my brain is doing, but it's this weird thing that even if you see something, so, you know, it's real, you still wish to, yeah, just change it. Or to turn back time somehow. Mm. And so that's what I've been struggling the most, I think, um, to just understand that it happened is real and that I cannot change it, that I'm helpless um, in, in the face of death. Mm. I'm right. It's You're helpless yet at the same time there are things you can do in terms of the grief. You can't, you're helpless in the face of death in terms of that's inevitable. I can't say that. Inevitable. Inevitable. <laughs> it is always so hard. It's like every time there's certain words in English that based oh, on how that. it is, like where you put the, and I mean, and I grew up with both again, I'm saying there's still like this thing of like, and never like those that have like that yeah. never like I'm like wait my why can't I say it because <laughs> and never okay okay whatever I won't make this be an English lesson but um so things that are inevitable <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious okay things that we cannot change yeah. <laughs> things, that, things that so death is something that is there there's no i'm trying to use another word because i can't pronounce it so um things that are it's something we can't change is fate right it's part of our life just like we're born we're going to die we can't we are helpless in that aspect that that is a reality that we all face mm. right in life yet at the same time we do have some aspect of control into the how we navigate that reality yeah. Meaning how, like in your case, either holding on to hope, seeking 
tools of therapy, being able to talk it out, talking about um, your emotions, writing poetry, writing. So those are the things we have control is and how maybe we choose to express how we feel about death of loved ones. Um, so gathering as many tools as we can into this toolbox, you know, uh, and, and I think we need an arsenal of it, of a lot of different tools, because we never know which tool may help a certain part of our grief mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. Um, like you, like we, you just said, you have two therapists, and that's the tools you needed too, and that's absolutely <laughs> understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, you have poems, you have Instagram. Um, what other aspects? What other tools do you have? How about you? We mentioned then friends, of course, don't relate necessarily to your grief, but do you have some friends that are there for you uh, or have been there for you during this process in general? Or do you feel that some of that also shifted? Um, I do have one very good friend who has always been there, and I feel that she has learned a lot from um, my grief journey as well as to how to be a friend or just to be there for me Um, because of course that changed our relationship as well Um, Mm. but but we made it so Mm -hmm. and we're still here but but I did lose a lot of people a lot of friends um, when my parents died because they were just not comfortable with um just me grieving nobody would know what to do with me so um that's hmm? no 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 I'm just I was I'm thinking about what you just said that discomfort that people feel you know what it is I think sometimes I had this conversation yesterday about something else actually completely it was actually about how we're prejudiced in general about others Mm. uh, and how in general that prejudice comes is from the um like, okay, like for when when you don't necessarily want to talk to somebody that maybe thinks differently or looks differently because it may, to some extent, bring up something in you or a truth within you of something that you have to face yourself. So it's that fear that blocks us sometimes into really getting to know somebody. So, you know, so prejudice is based out of fear. So I feel that in grief, the fact that some people are uncomfortable or don't want to be around somebody that's experienced it is because it's a it's a it's a reality that's there in in front of them of that aspect of mortality mm-hmm. um either of themselves or their loved ones around them that they're not willing yet to see um yeah. So maybe that distancing has not, a lot of times, I think, and a great majority of times has nothing to do with you at all. It just has to do with the person not being okay to be open to that reality of Mm. their own mortality or the mortality of those around them. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. But I still, but it still makes me mad that, Mm -hmm. um, that people or yeah, just people that you've loved um, as friends or um, even relationships um, just decide to to go silent for for that reason that they're not mm-hmm. making the effort to 
um, to inform themselves about it or yes because um, I mean as a bystander of course it's hard to to witness somebody crying his heart out because of what they've been through but but you're not going it through yourself so I'm always it makes me so mad that it makes me want to scream at them in their face like don't you have no decency um, I think it's also our um we, we we have to learn more about grief just because even this year with the virus we've learned so um so much about what it means to grieve on a mm-hmm. on a worldwide scale right yes. um so so what what is it that holds us back to just google or to just ask that friend i want to be there for you i'm feeling very uncomfortable because it really sucks to go through something like this but I but I want to be there what can I do for you Um, oh whoa what you just said is just amazing you just gave the listeners if you have not as a listener if you have not experienced death yourself and you do not know what to do to support somebody around you that's grieving what Olivia just said is key really say like it sucks I have no clue what to do but I want to be there what do I do like admit that you do not have the that you do not know what to do and that is you're uncomfortable about it but but at least say something that is so true Olivia like so if your friends would have like just stepped up maybe they will maybe maybe they'll Mm. listen to this podcast (laughs) and now they'll know what to do um, <laughs> you know, just to be there. And because you may not need necessarily each one of them to be there to hear you cry. You may need one of them to be there to make you laugh and another one to take you out shopping and another one to, yeah, you yeah. know, just, just be human. Mm. I don't know why, why we think that we have to have all the answers to something and that if we don't have those answers, we are failing at something. Um, it, it's it's normal to not not understand something to just not know um, but it, it really makes a difference if you are at least willing to open your heart to that kind of suffering um, and to just be humble enough to learn from it um, so I really I really had a problem with that um, that people just didn't even want to try so if I can give one one piece of advice is to just just ask, just just be open about it. I mean, um, in the end, everything that you say is wrong, right? When you're talking yes. about grief, like you never really yes. get it right. But at least you're trying. And if people, if grieving people see that there is someone that is really trying hard to be there, um, even if it's hard to open up when you're in so much pain eventually they will um so don't don't make it the grieving person thing to have to come back at you text you ask for help because they're not they don't have the energy they 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 have to invest everything that they have in trying to survive um so don't 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 ask them or don't don't how do you say that don't don't make it be their thing that's on top of everything else. Mm. That's even a great tip even for myself. 
what you just said, because I sometimes do end up leaving it on the other person's table. I do reach out and I say, just know I'm here. Just tell me what it is you need. I'm here. Uh, but I do end up allowing that space at times because, mm -hmm. um, as you even said, sometimes and everybody's journey is very different, right? And the overwhelm, and especially when it's a death that somebody's just had, there's so much business. I always call it business. There's always a lot of business and stuff around the aspect of death, meaning burial planning, funeral, this, that, and then the home of the people that, you know, if by chance it's a parent, then you sometimes have to deal with things that have to do with the, the home, selling the home or the things and so forth that you, um, you want to sometimes allow that space. Right. Mm. But, um, but what you said too, is true that the energy that sometimes we are using as grieving as grievers per se is in that, that we don't sometimes have enough energy to even just reach out to somebody to let them know we need them. So, um, so thank you for, for expressing it that way because it it makes me be more proactive as as a friend to be sure I reach out more specifically to the yeah. people that are grieving around me. Thank you. What other um, things would you say are some of the biggest learnings that you've had? You mentioned that you learned that grief taught you to be open in life, right? That does what, but mm -hmm. that you're, that's one of the, what other things has grief or going through this experience taught you either about yourself or about the world around you or life in general? Um, well, about myself, I think the biggest lesson was that I needed to slow down because mm -hmm. I've learned that I need to keep going. I need to uh, look for the next opportunity to um, just develop my personality further, do this, do that, um, be successful in life. But then when grief happens, when you lose someone like this, you start realizing what's really important. And to me, that was really to sit down and have a conversation with myself um, and have it every day, actually, to just ask what what do I need really? Am I forcing myself to do stuff that I don't want to do just because I have to function? Um, or can I maybe take a break and just listen to my feelings? Because I think that in the early stages of grief, you really focus on that, on what you're feeling. There is nothing else. But then eventually the everyday life comes back and you have to you have to pay your bills, you have to go back to work, there's, maybe you have kids, so you have to take care of for, for, yeah, take care of everybody else, so maybe you forget yourself in that process, um, and I don't have a, don't have kids, um, but I, I still work, and I still have a life, so it's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to forget about myself, and, and grief always takes me back. Anytime I just I just push myself too much, then it really uh, drags me back to my seat. And I have that conversation again, where I ask I ask permission. Um, I ask myself to um, 
to just grieve, to just feel my feelings and just um, leave the stuff that I wanted to do for that day somewhere else and just focus on myself. Um, yeah. So grief grounds you. Yeah. Grief grounds you. Grief brings you back into the reality of the who you are, what you are, aside from all the busyness, because it kind of brings you back to the essence of who you are. Does Would that be yeah. the right mm-hmm. way? It's so true. It's so true. I'm like thinking of it as like in my own life, it's, it does resonate with me. I had never thought of it that way, that it just kind of just connects me again with my, um, with my reality, with my essence. Mm. There's a humbling component of it too, right? Like this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but, but I think, yeah, I think that's, that's what scares me the most about grief or not about grief, but just, um, about, about life that it keeps going. And I never, after my parents died, I didn't want to go on. I, I always thought um, time has to stand still. I have to do everything that I can to keep remembering them. And that means that for me, life cannot go on. Because if I do go on, then I forget about them. Mm. Um, and that's really something that, that um, scares me to this day. Um, but um, But listening to myself really gives me the opportunity to to realize that grief is not going anywhere and so my parents are not going anywhere that even if I do work even if I do um go on if you want to say so um they are never gone because they live they yeah in some way they live on within you and even if that's not enough um that's what we have to get used to when you lose someone you just answered your own question of the hope hmm. because you <laughs> mentioned <true. laughs> uh, you just answered your own your own hope right there of the fact that you're hoping that they'd come back and you just answered it you just yeah. answered it you just answered <laughs> yeah, it a little true. they're with you all the time because that grief is there constantly with you they haven't gone anywhere yeah I don't know why that fear of losing, of constantly losing, even if you have already lost, um, mm-hmm. comes from. Because it's, oh, it's so painful. It's so painful still. It's still mm. painful. It doesn't mean that because we've gone through it, it doesn't mean that we're like, oh my gosh, let me go through it again. It's <laughs> 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 it such a nice ride. Let it, <laughs> let's no. do it again. No, no, no. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> It's like, okay, it's kind of like a little bit, it would be a little bit, it's kind of like going on a really scary roller coaster ride. And mm. there is a part of us maybe that we're masochists and we're like, let me go on it again and feel that thrill, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but, but if you fell off of the roller coaster, you wouldn't want to go back on there, right? But, but yeah. in that case, um, yeah, I, 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 it's true. It's like, regardless of whether we realize like, yes, I actually am stronger than I thought I was. And I survived this really traumatic and horrible experience of having both my parents die within a period of two years. 
It's not like, oh, let's see what's next. What's next? Let me see. You goody, 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 goody. Bring it to mm. me. No. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that we wish that upon ourselves or upon others at all. It's just the fact that we already know that if it were to come, and it will come, because again, life is about these, you know, uh, realities, that we are a little more prepared because we've already gone through it again. And we know that, wait a minute, I survived that. I can survive it any, you know, anything else that comes my way as well. So, um, but it's not like we're looking forward to it. I'm mm. definitely not. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Yeah. Mm. Um, but also I think that part of why I'm so afraid of letting that go is because I, I just associate so much of my parents to their last moments, their last year. So mm. I, I, that's why I think if I let go of that, then where are my parents? Where do they go? Mm. Um, but if you let go of, you mean that memory of their actual, yeah, yeah of okay. how traumatic that was. Um, okay. And I think that that's a very important thing in therapy that you learn to connect to your parents on a different way, just by remembering yeah. um, the good things that you've been through twenty years before they died, um, and and then eventually you realize that they're not gone if you let go of that trauma that you have but it's mm -hmm. a long road it's not that you just go there once and then you're done you just I think I'll keep doing it for the rest of my life so well yeah you'll I, if not you'll gather against some of those um tools and then learn how to navigate it um you know mm -hmm. like what once you gather once you get what you need and then you can kind of it's cyclical right so you might need therapy at this moment then you might be good with whatever you've kind of learned and you kind of use those tools and maybe something else comes up later on. Then you go again. You know, mm -hmm. I, I went to um, a, a therapist once and she was like, my goal is to not have lifelong parent, uh, lifelong patients. My goal mm -hmm. is to, for my patients to just be with me for a period of time. That's my goal. I don't want them to be dependent on me. And, um, because it's, yeah, it's the aspect of like, you know, because that's how she felt her job was done, you know, that she had given mm -hmm. her patient enough, her patients enough um, resources to kind of work through whatever they were working through in that moment. And then later on coming, you know, back if something else kind of reoccurs, but that, that was her goal as a therapist, at least. Mm -hmm. um, so you may, yours is still very recent. So it's still, you're still navigating through that. So of course you right now feel like this is my life, my life, uh, my lifeboat kind of, this is what I need yeah. right now. And, and that's absolutely um, true uh, for now. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, yeah, it's yeah, your truth sure. tomorrow or, you know, a year from now it's, it could change our truth and our necessities change. Wow. It's been, I've learned so much from you today, Olivia. Thank so you, much Kendra. from Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really have. And I'm, um, I, I appreciate you taking the time after your work day to come in and chat here and share this journey and teach me as well as the listeners, these different uh, perspectives. And I am uh, grateful now tell uh, the listeners and I'll put it in the show notes, how they can um, get in touch with you. Is it um, you're on Instagram? What's the best way? And again, I'll link it down below. Mm, well, um, I mainly use my Instagram. I do have an email as well, but I 
I'm more comfortable with sharing my Instagram. It's the big grief. Um, yeah. Um, the big grief. If you want to the, read all these poems and your thoughts about <laughs> grief and your, and sometimes these Instagram lives that you might do or, you know, sharing your story with others. Was Patricia's the first time that you shared it? Yeah, that was actually my, my first live. Yeah. Live is uh, your first live ever on Instagram was that ever, one? Yeah. an interview, an interview. Imagine about your grief was your first live. Is this your first podcast? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is your first podcast. Well, you did amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And you um, I, so the big grief on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I also wanted to say that, um, I put a lot of stuff out there with all my writing, but, um, but my DMs are always open. If people want to share, um, to talk about the ones that they've lost, um, it's important to just, at least to me, to just be there and listen, um, give something back to people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you have a way, is it true? Uh, you also have like, affirma- is it like affirmation or ways in which, let me see, because I thought I saw a link on your, on your account. Isn't there a way of also purchasing your oh, cards yeah. too? Your <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I also, um, I, um, so I make postcards out of my post because I thought that that's a very nice and authentic way to just um, connect with grieving people in your everyday mm-hmm. life, which is something that we lack, um, me, myself <laughs> as well. Um, Cause I just write on my Instagram, but then I am not really able to, talk about it in person to somebody that I might know because I still feel mm-hmm. that kind of weird uncomfortable feeling so I created my postcards to to just do that and there is a link you're right Kendra there's a link in my um in your Instagram, Instagram. yeah so yeah, in your link you tree, can. you can link, yeah, to find yeah. the uh Etsy shop and if by chance somebody doesn't have Instagram then you can find it it's called postcard when the ones you love die you can search it that way i guess on etsy or the big grief prints actually the big grief prints on etsy if by chance you don't have instagram you can go there and find these uh postcards for um for your your yeah your your beautiful words and poems and it's a way of you being able to share with somebody else um your thoughts thank you is there anything else that you wanted to share that i might have not asked and I know we didn't go too much into detail after your dad's mm-hmm. passing, but um, but I hope that I mean, you, could, you could probably come back. You could come back. Yeah, you could come back. <laughs> yeah, I would come back. Let's do it that way. <laughs> and we could talk uh, more about all these different things and all your learnings, because again, it's grief is a journey. There's not yeah. like a, there's not a start point or an end point <laughs> at all. So, yeah, we always have a conversation about it. one last thing that i wanted to say is just to thank you for the opportunity to talk about it and for inviting me to my first podcast i'm so grateful that you accepted and i am again very grateful for the insights that you brought to to mine to me at least in this conversation so thank you olivia thank you <laughs> Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort 
in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.